Welcome to the world's premier Black Crows podcast. State of America. Hosted by two of the band's most dedicated fans, David Hudson and Ian Rice. All right, everybody, welcome back to another bonus episode of the State of America podcast. I am one of your hosts, Ian Rice, and with me, as always, Mr. David Hudson. David, how's it going? Bright and chipper on this beautiful early Sunday morning, Ian. Yes, it's uh, very nice in my neck of the woods, so I gather it's nice in yours. It's getting to be that good time. I love the spring. The spring and the and the fall, those are my two favorite seasons. Yeah, because it's the milder versions of the seasons that uh, follow it, really. Exactly. It's uh, it's good. I sit out on your back porch, listen to some good music, maybe drink a cold beer and throw some barbecue on. I like your style, David. I like your style. Yeah. Yeah. How have you been? I've been all right. We did our one of our Patreon Zoom hangs last night. Unfortunately, the guests that we were going to have had to cancel at the last minute, but we still had a lot of fun with that. Yeah, we did. We talked about uh, our favorite tracks off Crowology, and it, it seems to be either... Uh, Cold Boy Smile, Girl from a Pawn Shop, or Nonfiction. That is the three that kept getting brought up. Yes, and uh, Crowology is an album we will be addressing on one of our under-review episodes in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, we're going to do that. We're going we're gonna to try to start doing, I think we talked about maybe doing two under-reviews a year, maybe. Isn't that right? So that we don't run out of uh, yeah. albums. <laughs> We kind of came out of the gate fast on that one, and now we got to make sure the albums last out for a bit. Yeah, we've only done one CRB. We've done both New Earth Muds, um, or C- or Chris Robinson ones. We've done one Rich. We, You know what we haven't done is North Mississippi All-Stars. We've done one Mark, and we still have, what, Tall, Band, Amorica, Southern Harmony, Croology, the official live album we yeah. could do. Uh, they're st- wiser for the time. There's still plenty of things for us to do. But yeah, we need to get on that. I'd love to do that first North Mississippi All-Stars album. Maybe uh, maybe that'll be what I can use to convince Luther to come on. That would be great. What is the uh, what is their first record? I get confused. Shake Hands with Shorty. Yes, that's right. Gra- I, Grammy nominated. I can't remember. I always get confused if it's Shake Hands with Shorty or the one that came right after it, which was Polaris, I think. And Polaris was the third one. Um, oh no, uh, Phantom Fifty One. Yeah, Phantom Fifty One. Uh, Shake Hands with Shorty's got like Drop Down Ma- Mama, Poe Black Maddie, Going Down South, Sitting on Top of the World. Just really was a groundbreaking album. Got nominated for a Grammy. That's pretty good. Your first time out. Yes, absolutely. But at that point, those guys had been percolating with those around all of those guys for so long that I'm sure it was second nature to them. That's the funny thing with debut albums. Like you, you figure the band has been honing that material for such a long time. That's why it's always shocking to me when a band comes out of the gate for the second album and it, it blows the first one away because it's seemingly a shorter time period, you know, that they had to work on it. See, I'm not one of these... A lot of people are slaves, so to speak, to debut albums. Like, oh, the band's never going to, you know, top that. There's very few debut albums, I think, are a band's best. Take the Crows. I don't think Shake Your Money Maker's their best. No, if anything, I, I feel like the Crows were really born... With Southern Harmony. That's kind of when they really came into their own, you know? And I'm about to say something that's going to make half the people listening to this upset. I like the Illusion albums better than Appetite. 
Oh man, you just I mean, I can hear people unfriending you. <laughs> and I really like Van Halen too. Van Halen two is very underrated. Um, Van Halen two is an album that actually came to, you know, many years later after being into Van Halen, but I was never a huge, huge first album person either. I mean, it's a great album, but I always was drawn to, uh, women and children first. And of course, fair warning. Yeah. Those are, those are good too. But yeah. Ride the lightning. Like it better than kill them all. Yeah. Some, a lot of times I feel like the debut albums are really not indicative of the band, you know? It's usually more of a less polished, stripped-down sound a lot of times, and a lot of times the songwriting gets better. That is true. You know, sometimes, you know, first records are great. Like, I, I happen to, and this is also years after the fact, but I happen to like Motley Crue's first album, which is called Too Fast for Love, and that, because it's so, it's a lot more basic and raw, you know, and not as over-the-top as they would later become, you know? There's only one Motley Crue album, my friend, and that's the one with Jod Karabi. See, but that's the first album to me, too, you know? There's some songs on Dr. Feelgood that I like. They put out a, uh, a, at the time, I guess, greatest hits album called Decade of Decadence. It had a cover of that song, Teaser, that I thought was pretty good. There's a couple of new songs in there, but the Karabi album, it just goes to show you what they could do if they, had, A, had a second competent guitarist and had somebody that remotely knew how to sing on there. I mean, I you know I love that Motley Crue 94 album, but like I said, I see that as like another debut album in a way, just like I see Van Halen's 5150 as a kind of like a debut album because that was their first album with Sam. Right. You know, all kinds of things like that. We've never talked about this. Do you like Rat? I've I never do. I've never thought Stephen Piercy could sing. I think he's a joke as a singer, to be honest with you. Uh, John Karabi was the rhythm guitar player in Rat for a while, and Stephen Piercy was too drunk to play. And Karabi sang the songs. You can find it on YouTube. Rats never sounded better. Karabi's literally a top 10 vocalist for me. He's a great singer, and his time in Rat was very good. Yes, I do enjoy Rat. I like, you know, their first three records I thought were really good. And they put out one in 90. There was a period, like, in the late 90s where John Kalodner um, started, like, a, a, a subsidiary or a label of his own and got a lot of the older. 80s metal bands like back to try to make comebacks for them like great white and stuff like that and there was a a lot of them put out some really decent records and rat put out a record that was just called rat and it had some decent tunes on it oh ian i'm losing respect for you you never heard that record stop i mean come on now come on that's no way to win an argument dude (laughs) (laughs) the guy can't sing he's like 65 years old and he's dressing like he's an you know extra on a 1970s porn film out there oh, trying geez. to sing well you brought it up <laughs> i'm just i'm it's i'm hot take cuts in today i know what do you mean today yeah <laughs> you're known across the internet as hot take hudson well i don't uh won't you tell everybody about this bonus episode oh you're tired of my crap now huh no i just <laughs> I've, I've i've won my argument so i mean oh, okay <laughs> we'll let the people decide but uh no actually this week we have a um a very cool guest that we are very excited to talk to Jay Gonzalez will be joining us. This was fun. We actually recorded one with him back during, uh, I think, like last March or April. And for whatever reason, we never got around to releasing it. And a lot of the stuff in it was very, it wasn't an evergreen episode. A lot of it was very time specific. And so we haven't put that out, but we circled back with him. And uh, he was uh, gracious enough to come back on and talk about the tour he has coming up, talking about the new album. I think he broke news on the new album with the name of it. 
and uh, talked about it a little bit. Just talked about his life and music and his solo gigs and his um, he's going to be actually opening for the truckers for one show in Athens. And I'm going to be there all four nights if I can hold up and I'm going to hang out with our good buddy Dave Chamberlain. I'm really looking forward to that. Yes, we have to thank Dave Chamberlain because he is the one who effectively introduced us to Jay Gonzalez, who's become quite a friend of the program behind the scenes. Yeah, appreciate Dave for that. Dave's going to be my tour guide in in Athens. I've never been, so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, a lot of the money that's from those shows and from an auction is going to go to Nucci Space, which is a charitable organization that helps to prevent suicide amongst musicians and treat mental health. We wholeheartedly support it. We've donated money to it ourselves and through the raised money through the podcast. And you can go on their website and find out more about them. And they have an auction of some cool stuff going on. But I, I really like the Drive By Truckers. They're kind of an American success story. Patterson Hood and Mike Cooley have been in bands together off and on since the late 80s and really did not start achieving any significant success until like 2002, 2003, much later in their career. And they're just road dogs, and they, they're constantly on the road. They Like you hear us talk about, they have a lot in common with the Crows of yesterday in that they don't play the same set list twice. They, most of their shows are two and a half hours, sometimes three hours. They uh, kind of call it on the fly, as you'll hear Jay talk about. They, uh, they play songs before they ever get released, which the Crows have done. Widespread Panic does that. A lot of Grateful Dead, Fish. So I'm really looking forward to it. I've seen them... I think three times I saw them first open for the crows at, at mud Island amphitheater in Memphis. And then I saw them that summer with Robert Randolph on that tour. And, uh, both of those shows were good. And I've seen a couple of, um, shows with them by themselves, but I'm really looking forward to it. Jay's a super nice guy. He, it's very interesting. He's really into like sixties pop music yes. and, and, and like seventies pop music, which is not something you hear a lot of people that are really kind of like aficionados of, but he is. And so, it's fun to talk about. He talks about some pretty obscure bands that uh, you should probably check out. Yeah, it was definitely a treat having him on. Uh, you know, I saw the Drive-By Truckers first in 2006, opening for the Crows, uh, which I understand wasn't the best experience for them. But, uh, you know, since then, I was kind of loosely into them until I met you and dove a little deeper. And, uh, you know, I really love their stuff. So it was really a treat to have on Jay. Yeah. And and Jay has really added a lot, another layer of music to musicality to that band with his... Uh, organ and keyboard playing and piano playing and then he also functions as a third guitarist very interesting that you know they're one of the few bands that i can still think of that that wilco has a multi-instrumentalist pat santone that plays guitar and uh, obviously the truckers do but they're a lot of fun live i'm really looking forward to it and like i said hanging out with dave and checking out athens i got all of my kind of like rem stuff i want to go see and widespread panic stuff i want to go see so Dave said he's going to show me all that. I, Ian, I heard the vinyl shopping is really good there. I'll have to give you a wish list. Yeah, I'll get you a rat LP. Is that how we're going to go out on this intro? I'm just saying. This kind of talk. I'm just is saying. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know you're such a fan of rat, or I might not have asked you to uh, do the podcast with me. All right, that's it. It's <laughs> over. It's divorce. <laughs> oh, don't worry. Half the people turned off when I said I like the Illusion albums better than Appetite. I love Appetite for Destruction. I just happen to think the Appetite albums are better. You can't go I back. I mean, the Illusion okay. albums. You can't I, go no, back. I'm not trying to go back on it. <laughs> All right, everybody. So let's flip this over to our interview with Jay Gonzalez. We hope you enjoy it, and we'll see you next time.
right, everybody. As everybody knows, one of my favorite bands is the Drive-By Truckers, and I've liked them ever since 2003. Went on a Black Crow's message board. Somebody said, check out Decoration Day, and I bought it without hearing a single song, and I fell in love with the band. There's been several incarnations of the band, but in my opinion, when they picked up Jay Gonzalez, they went to a whole other level. So uh, let's welcome to the show, Jay Gonzalez. Hey, thanks for having me, man. <laughs> uh, I was telling you before we got on, I'm so looking forward to partying and having fun for four nights in a row in uh, Athens in a couple of weeks. Absolutely. Springtime in Athens. It's, uh, you know, as much as I, I love doing it when we usually do in, in January and February, it's it's uh, springtime in Athens is is, is definitely the, the prime time for sort of uh, carousing and and rocking out and such. It's, uh, you know, it's so it's it can be so hot in the in, you know July and August, but April is just perfect. So it's going to be a, a good time. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Dave Chamberlain said he's going to be my tour guide, so we'll see Absolutely. how well how well he uh, he pulls that off. He tells me there's some good vinyl shopping. Well, Absolutely. obviously we're coming out of COVID. Uh, it looks like we're probably about to put this thing in the rearview mirror. Looking at all the numbers everywhere, mm-hmm. I got to think that you are ready to uh, kind of put that behind you as far as like uncertainty about touring, maybe being nervous about getting it and gigs being canceled. Absolutely. I mean, we, we just got back from almost month long tour, all kind of going across to the West coast and back. And, you know, it's, from what I could tell, it looks like it's, 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 it's happening. You know, I mean, we're, we, we, no one has, no one got, got it. And, and we were all, you know, stayed as safe as we could be. But the crowds are really good and excited. I think just to, it could be anybody up there, you know. But I think it it was nice to to be up there and 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 get that that excitement of just seeing sort of live live music again, you know. So, yeah, as far as I can tell, it's it's mo- it's moving, you know. <laughs> That's cool. I, over the uh, you know at the height of the pandemic, you actually put out a, an excellent record called Back to the Hive. It's very different than than obviously the truckers material. It's more obviously sixties kind of based pop rock kind of stuff. How did you kind of get into into that sound? That's I mean really that's I've always kind of it, I mean especially uh, when I moved to Athens in my twenties is when I really delved into the sort of deeper side of that and really kind of uh, learned more about it. But all the stuff I grew up on, you know, certainly with the Beatles and and any sort of like seventies piano pop and. And all the stuff I liked in the '80s, you know, was sort of influenced by that. Be it, you know, you know, No Myth by Michael Penn, or like, you know, Crowded House, or whatever. You know, it's like uh, I think all this. It's just I've always leaned that way, you know. And 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 sort of, you know, the bands I played in before the Truckers were were certainly power pop ish or 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 pop based you know definitely from that era so um you know and then it, it's 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 not necessarily talked about much with the truckers but there's a you know there's a big streak in there of that of similar kind of stuff you know with sort of like songs like fed 14 or some of the stuff from uh the big to do you know and and uh really are you know either straight out power pop songs and certainly the the influence from the sixties and seventies might be slightly moved to a different corner of the rock and roll, you know, map or whatever, but it's all definitely from that era. Well, you definitely get to play some straight up rock and roll with the truckers. And then, you know, like you were saying, this kind of sixties, seventies pop music, I guess that's good for basically scratching your creative itch, so to speak, that uh, you don't just have to stick in one genre the whole time. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm finding it's getting harder to keep as I get older, but, but it's good. It does. It's sort of, um, every, I think everybody's got, you know, all these different influences and they're not always lucky enough to have different outlets, but I, you know, with my stuff, I wouldn't necessarily be trying to rip a crazy guitar solo, you know, like, <laughs> like on something like, um, uh, marry me or something from the truckers, you know, like, like, or like, you know, some of the heavier stuff. But, you know, that was a big part of growing up, too, was sort of the 70s rock thing. And um, it's it's fun to do. It's not maybe my immediate forte, but it's like, uh, yeah, that's it's a niche that is it's I love to get scratched, especially like on tour. when We get to do it, you know, uh, every night kind of. So, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Now, who is a obscure 60s pop singer or group that we need to check out? I'm leaning these last few weeks, yeah, toward the British side of it and stuff like that. So, like, a lot of the um, Baroque, you know, British kind of honey bus and, like, all these weird, the move, you know, pre-ELO kind of stuff is who I really kind of been lately diving into. Uh, Probably coming, because I'm the record I did with this guy, Pete, is uh, a little on the lighter side and more of the, a lot of Randy Newman influenced Nielsen kind of stuff a lot of like piano based very stripped down and I actually going to have a friend of mine Brent Cash do he's arranging he arranged these string arrangements he's like Van Dyke Parksy and like huge string arrangements so um so that I kind of scratched that itch over the pandemic uh and so now I'm kind of like moving maybe moving on to some <laughs> a little more esoteric I don't know but uh I think that you know leaning towards maybe an instrumental album or something like just why the fuck not you know <laughs> i mean if anything the pandemic shown it's like you know at least for me you know life is short just make as many different kind of records as you can do and i've definitely taken a long time like that back to the hive you know taken a little while to to come to fruition it was done before the pandemic and then throughout it but but uh, i think you know now i've been recording at different studios these last few weeks since i've been home and it's been so exciting to be in a room and like cut something and it's like oh you know second third fourth take and that's that's it and then it's like done and it's such a weird thing having gone through sort of a lot of piecemeal stuff that you're sort of had to do during the pandemic and i've always sort of embraced but it's been fun to kind of so did i hear you say that you have an album recorded that hasn't come out yet yeah yeah i mean it still needs to be mixed and um and and kind of polished and whatnot and then the strings but it's 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 something i've been i've been writing songs with uh my friend pete smith he was producer at adult swim you know uh, and like space ghost coast to coast he had something (laughs) you know he worked on that and then he kind of produced the brack show and he did all these and all the bumpers on adult swim like really kind of came up with that whole sort of really funny sort of non sequitur hilarious stuff and and then you know he had a previous career writing lyrics and so we started writing songs together we have like 40 songs and so i kind of like narrowed it down to 15 or 18 songs and you know they're kind of sort of demo-y but we'll see where it goes i'm i kind of wanted to just put it out to get it out but now i'm one by one trying to polish everything and (laughs) fix it up and and so now it won't come out for another five years but we'll see (laughs) but yeah yeah i've been keeping it's it's been the busiest i've ever been musically honestly the last year or two so which is which is really good so but it seems like over the pandemic a lot of artists well most artists really had to like find ways of reinventing themselves like what what did you kind of 
kind of do to keep yourself keep yourself going? Um, yeah, I mean, not not much necessarily reinvention, but almost maybe exploring sides, you know, that I hadn't as much with the truckers. And then maybe, you know, and then with during the pandemic doing sort of the either remote stuff or as this last, you know, the last record, the new okay was like, you know, well, that was remote, but now we have one that hasn't come out yet. That's called welcome to club 13, which I think I can say, I don't know, but it's, it's, it's coming out this year. And that one was like a week in the, that was the same feeling as what I've been doing the last few weeks, recording with people. The first sort of back together thing was the truckers recording air quote demos at uh, a <laughs> chase park at David Barbie's place in town. And, and they just turned into the record um, combined with a few leftovers from our Memphis sessions. And it's really cool. I really, I, you know, it's, it's I did. En- I enjoyed the, uh, the new, okay. Like doing remote stuff with the truckers. Cause it was a different way to approach that. We didn't really do that much. You know, it was always sort of the pressure of being in the same room, which was good in a way, but also, I never felt like I could kind of get to where I needed to get to in the time sort of, you know, allotted, uh, but, but with sort of, you know, stay being at home and <laughs> keeping odd hours and, and having a box of wine and, and recording, <laughs> recording equipment by myself, I could really explore stuff. So I was able to come up with maybe slightly more out there parts and stuff, but, um, but this was nice to get back and just, cut it all in the same room and I play more guitar than I have uh in the past uh on the record just because it happened to work out that way and that's been fun so now the new okay if I understood correctly that was kind of a hodgepodge of songs pieced together Mm -hmm. from different sessions that you guys had laying around right and then one or two new songs that Patterson wrote it was three new songs well two new songs one older song that we never finished and then um this a single a couple of singles we put out a cover of uh the ramones uh the kkk took my baby away that matt Patton sings uh that we never used and then a few outtakes from there but it like it's a it's a testament to patterson's you know ability to like put stuff together and and particularly in an interesting not you know ideal situation he really um he knows he's it's I, I it's one of my favorite albums we did it's weird it's like it shouldn't be that way you know and 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 if you talk about it it comes off you know when an artist leaves and the grab to like just put a bunch of stuff together or something but it was like a well planned thing where he picked the, the new songs that would fit in with these other ones and it's like and it's also a little more i think it's a little poppier than maybe the previous one it's not as dark so I tend to lean toward that maybe a little bit, but so it was an interesting thing. I, you know, it was almost like an album that kind of came out of nowhere because, you know, I spent a few days coming up with the overdubs, but other than that, it was, it sort of appeared, you know, <laughs> and when I say that, it, you know, I'm not, it's not, he's, I'm sure all the work he did and then David Barbie making it all fit together. They did a whole lot. There's a lot more work when you're putting obviously stuff from different, uh, recordings together but uh but from my perspective it was like magically appeared and i was like this is pretty great so so but then it was the same thing it's like now we're touring and we're getting to play stuff from that record and the new one and even unraveling is stuff we haven't played live it was you know we we got to play that out a bit but not a lot a lot and uh so it's been basically you know a whole bunch of new stuff um 
you know, approached live, uh, which is, which is cool. You know, now I got to tell you when the new okay came out, I like to listen to music while I cook mm-hmm. and uh, it, it can be all over the place. And I was right. listening to your cover of the KKK took my baby away and my wife uh-huh. walked in and she said, right. what are you listening to? Like right. she was all concerned. And I was like, the KKK took my baby away. And she's yeah. like, I, she was just dumbfounded. And I'm like, yeah, it's a cover of a Ramon song. Listen to the lyrics. It's not, yeah. it's not, anything. Well, it is, you know, it's a weird thing. Cause the lit, you know, upon just hearing the chorus, it's a weird, it's a weird chorus. And of course, knowing the, you know, Rocky history of, of it being what Joey wrote it about uh, Johnny stealing his girl or something. Right. I think. And, you know, right. it makes perfect sense. And sometimes when we play it, it's like, if people don't know the, you know, it's, it's such an upbeat song. It's weird to, but, but if you listen to the words at all, it's like, you know, it's, and you know, and Matt at some point now is sings, you know, the KKK took my goddamn country away in the last chorus, you know, and it took me a while to hear that because I'm on the other side of the stage and <laughs> now I, now I don't step on it. I used to sing over it, and, but now it's like, you know, it's, it's true, you know, and, and uh, there's a great video too, if you haven't seen it of, that he filmed during the pandemic, which is him going around Oxford and pulling a, you know, pulling a who's next on the, you know, the fucking civil war <laughs> statue downtown, you know, it's pretty great. It's a, it's a, it's pretty wonderful. So. Now, one of the things about the truckers that's so cool is Patterson sings, Mike Cooley sings, Shauna Tucker sang when she was in the band, mm-hmm. Jason Isbell, obviously everybody knows he's singing in the band. Sure. Well, now we've got Matt Patton. He's saying the unraveling and he, like mm-hmm. you said, he's saying the KKK took my baby away. Is he going to sing on the new album? He doesn't have anything that I know of other than harmonies on the new album. But this is pretty much just Patterson and Cooley, you know? So when do we get a Jay Gonzalez song? <laughs> I don't know. You know, it has to fit, you know, it has to be natural. Cause the, the whole thing with the Matt thing was he like with the unraveling was, you know, he had been pushing for us to do that song of Patterson's and like, and Patterson's like, just never felt com- comfortable singing it. And I don't know if he was like, I'll sing it or Patterson's like, going to use sing it, but it just happened. And, and the same with the KKK took my baby away. I think Cooley's, it was his idea to do it. And then it was like, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know want to say, you know, it isn't know if he could sing it. And it's, and I feel, I do feel like Matt's voice kind of fits the, the overall not that there's a truckers, you know, not that it matters or there's a thing, but I do think of the overall feel it naturally fits certainly for the live shows. And, you know, if something lines up, I'm all about it, but you know, uh, you know, you've also heard my album. It's, it's, it's a different kind of thing. You know, it's like, I don't want to like all of a sudden it's like, you know, the Archies or the Ohio express covering the truckers, you know, it's like, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, uh, you know, you, it has to work, you know, and, and, and if it does in the future, I'm all about it, but I sing plenty, uh, the rest of the, you know, and, and, and it's, and I'm also like, kind of like my hands are full as it is <laughs> like too, in the, the sort of, you know, just the keyboard and guitar stuff and the vocal, it's like live, it's, you know, I'm singing sort of Patterson's backing vocals and stuff. So it's like, it's just, I'm not the most, organized person so like it's 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 it, it takes us a little while for me to get it all sort of down especially since we don't do like set lists and stuff it's like a little it's a little jumbled but like uh usually by the last show of the tour i have it have it down perfect <laughs> you're you're a, you're a lot like uh pat sansone of wilco you're you're always doing something 
I love, yeah. But it's never the same instrument twice. Does it? Yeah. No, he's certainly an inspiration, you know, and, and, and he's uh, an amazing guitar player. Yeah, he is. He's phenomenal. And that's like, not the first thing I think of him as being, you know what I mean? But he is a, he's a killer guitar player, but he's like, you think of him as a producer and singer and like writer kind of thing. And, and yeah, all around guy, but he's, he's great, you know, and, you know, and Jay Bennett was the, my initial sort of really the, you know, idol and, and, and someone who can kind of, you know, do some guitar, do some produce, do some vocals, blah, blah, blah. And, and kind of all, you know, f- fill the gaps that are needed at a, a, during the show. So, you know, it, it makes sense, you know. You know, I always kind of thought that uh, Jay Bennett could kind of fit into the Decoration Day era truckers as like the multi-instrumentalist. Yeah, he absolutely. Because there, I mean, there, there was a good kind of sloppiness with that band. Mm-hmm. that I, I th- that his playing lended to obviously it's it's not it's, when i say sloppy that's not something degrading it's the no. sound it's the sound of the band and he did that with wilco and you know a, a lot of diehard wilco fans will tell you that you know after yankee hotel foxtrot there was something missing and i know they've gone in another direction but all right so you just mentioned yeah, something, absolutely you just mentioned something i was going to ask you about so obviously it's a black crows podcast and the black yeah. crows are known for playing really really long shows you know yeah up until this tour, they didn't play the same set list twice, you know, right, but right. I'd always heard that y'all didn't even have a set list and that Patterson just called it on the fly. Is that true? Yeah, it is. It is. It is. It is. It's, it's not. It, and when I say that, I'm not going to say it isn't, it isn't, it, it is, but it's, it's, you know, there are going to be sort of songs that go in pairs and tandem and stuff like that. And then what, what, you know, the, basically it's, it's starting out with a song or two, from each guy and then goes back and forth. I mean, you'll rarely see it go like two of one person's song, unless it just happens to line up or the guitar has to be the same guitar or something. But, you know, in the beginning of the evening, and I suspect they don't care about me telling it. I mean, it's, 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 it's within the trucker circle. It's kind of known that they like one person picks, you know, a song of theirs that they want to start with. And then the other person picks the second song and, if they're feeling like, oh, let's be extra prepared. Let's come out with the next song. So it's usually like the first three songs. Um, <laughs> but then, you know, during the tour, a lot of times they'll be like, oh, that worked well. Let's just, you know, four or five shows in a row, do the same opening. And then closings too, like we've kind of uh, landed on this sort of like uh, walk-off thing uh, uh, on, on Angels and Fuselage and, and recent tour. And we'll do that a bit. And so it's like, there there are things that stick and to shape the show, but certainly within it, it's like pretty random, you know, and, 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 and which is good for me. Cause it, you know, keeps me on my toes and I can't really, uh, you know, get sloshed and stay still or, you know, just stay in one <laughs> spot. It's, it's like, it's, or just start thinking ahead to the next song. Like when, you know, getting at sort of the out of the present sort of thing, which is really kind of smart i think on their part you know and i don't think it was anything that was like a big plan it was just sort of what they always did and uh you know i i I love it you know i can't do that i like to know what's happening and i think there's something also with my solo stuff like you know building i love like honing down a set you know and and, but i also don't have you know (laughs) folks coming to several nights in a row (laughs) So so, so it's a different a whole different animal but yeah, it's a lot of fun to do. You know, it's it's sometimes it's crazy because it could be so sort of inspired and 
over the top and, and you know you could tell they're always thinking about what's going to be the next song and and then uh sometimes you know we'll even with sort of like big opening gigs at whatever opening for some bigger artist or something it's like you know we still do it so sometimes it's like you only have 40 minutes and it's like it doesn't necessarily catch you know it's just it's 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 one of the it's an odds game but it's but it's fun to do and i love that they do it and you know patterson will pull out something that's just like you know we haven't played it in five years and i love <laughs> i mean it freaks me out but i love that he has the confidence to do that you know it's it's pretty ballsy and it's and it's uh it could be really cool and, and it sparks us because we're like oh we we have to be really on you know and then sometimes you know we or we work out a new song like opening on the wheels of soul tour you know and in front of you know whatever an outside arena kind of a people you're just like well i've only played this song once and we'll see but it that's it's, <laughs> it's exciting you know it's like it's 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 you know it's all about improvisation so it's 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 uh it's fun to do <laughs> now I will be seeing you guys starting April the 6th, four nights in a row at the 40 watt in Athens. And I was telling you beforehand, I'm going to have to get in playing shape quick because uh, my little trip to Nashville showed me that I'm, I'm not 21 anymore. Um, <laughs> well, all right. So going to set list issues, obviously you're playing four nights in a row. I'm not going to be the only one there that's going four nights in a row. I mean, right. probably half the people are going to be there four nights in a row. Right. How much of a challenge is that going to be not to do, not to have a lot of repeats? Yeah, we will do. Usually it's like two, 15, two and a half hours, sometimes longer. But like they're they're pretty good about that. I do suspect that there's a bit of pre-planning uh, on their part for those kind of runs, you know, especially homecoming, you know. And then also there can be a lot of times there's sort of like, well, we'll run this album or whatever, you know, um, none of which I really know for this one. But it, it's, you know, it can be kind of interesting Cause that, yeah, that homecoming is always sort of like, well, let's see what they pull out, you know, cause it used to just be three days and that was like, okay, we get a lot of songs, but now four, it's just like, you know, digging deep, which is again, fun. So, and it's, you know, a, a crowd that's like, that's the crowd you want to play sort of deep cuts for, you know, being someone who loves to hear my favorite artists play deep cuts or whatever. It's like nice to, um, you know, dig in sort of, so. Now, if you have any input in it, there, I'm going to throw two songs in the hat. <laughs> I was just, I, I, I felt that coming because it's like, that's the <laughs> thing. It's like, well, just in case, but, uh, you know, but yeah, throw, throw, them out, throw them out there, man. The, the company <laughs> I keep and Santa Fe. Okay, both of which Santa Fe will definitely be played at some point. Company I keep, really good chance we played that a bunch of times on this last tour, but Santa Fe is one we brought back because I, you know, I, I got these like bender, palm bender devices. And I told Patterson, I'm like, well, I think this, I can kind of emulate the pedal steel on this. And, you know, that's why we, we haven't played it in years. It's the, the steel is such a big part of it. And so uh, this whole last tour, I was like frantically trying to figure out, you know, John Neff's licks and then like try it one night and then go to the hotel room and try to learn it right for the next night and not get it right. And then, you know, it's just like, oh, these are, this is amazing. And I don't know this language, but, uh, but I'm again, by the end of the tour, I kind of had it on the last night and, uh, hopefully I'll regain, remember it for the, for that. But yeah, it's fun. I love that. I always love that song. That was right when I joined right after we did, you know, recorded that. Cause I, I remember we were playing in Santa Fe and then 
he wrote the song, <laughs> you know, which is awesome. Um, so, and now it's become, you know, as the tour goes on and, and I forget every time, like I'm thinking I have to learn the parts exactly. And then when we go play it, everybody's playing, you know, a, a totally different version. And then Cooley's, Cooley's really embraced sort of, he has a volume pedal on stage for the last five, whatever years. And like, he really has nailed this sort of like faux pedal steel with his like bending and volume stuff. And uh, so he kind of already had it covered. And then between the two of us, we're just trying to like, you know, swoop it up around Patterson playing. So it's, it's a lot of, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I could pretty much guarantee Santa Fe and I'll do what I can about company. I keep <laughs> depending on how many, you know, if you see me at the bar and you can, Hey, I'll just open a tab show. and say whatever they want. <laughs> I don't know if they have cider at the 40. That's I got to look into that. I've been like not drinking the beer and, uh, but you know, I could drink tequila. We'll figure it out. Now, all the things like you're describing, like the, the varying set lists and le- relearning songs on the fly like that. To me, that's, that seems like that's what makes music exciting and, and keeps things fresh. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, for, for me and for, I think for, for people who are, you know, who are not there just to hear the hit, you know, the hit, I mean, that's the benefit of not being like a, sort of one hit wonder kind of band as much as I would totally be okay with, you know, (laughs) I, I I respect one hit wonders and I don't, you know, as being a music nerd, you hear a lot, ah, but it's like, it's better than no hit, you know, but I like, I like being a part of a band that has a whole catalog, you know, we're always going to play, you know, I mean, not always, but nine times out of 10, it's going to end, you know, would let there be rock or you know the, the songs that are going to be there are going to be there that are sort of the, the the posts but but then in between it's like you know again music nerds we'll we'll all we'll, we're gonna dig deep and and patterson tends to do that as does cooley you know so so uh, let me ask you about the direction of the band because with american band the truckers became overtly political yeah. Now, they've always been political, but it's usually t- told almost in a narrative type way from a third person. Right. And then obviously with American Band, I mean, there was no ambiguity to it. It's here it is. This is what we think. And then you had the unraveling, which had some of the same sentiment on it. But then, like you said, the new OK was a little more positive. Sure. The uh, the new album, is it kind of going back in the into the positive direction? No, it is. It's... Um it's a bit it's considerably less politically straightforward there's certainly songs there you know songs that are politically based but a lot more of a personal kind of thing which you know i think was something that after you know american band and such it was kind of like and then the unraveling you know it was like okay i suspect they were gonna move to it, it, the talk was moving toward personal stuff but it was it's hard to do and when the world is ending you know it's like it's just it's it's is but i feel like this album you know the new okay was confronted it kind of and sort of was yeah half and half maybe with personal stuff but this one is a lot more personal uh from what, what i'm thinking of the songs going through in my head right now there's a, you know, this, it's called Welcome to Club 13, and that was a club they grew up at. And that was, that's been a fun song where we've been playing uh, every night pretty much. And, you know, it was like a punk club on the, on the you know, in Muscle Shoals, like right by the county line kind of. And uh, it just, just, just 
shitty beer and you know cocaine and hair metal bands and <laughs> stuff like that and it kind of go, it goes through and it's kind of a classic Patterson song where it kind of goes through the litany of stuff but it but it sounds kind of like uh you know it's got a t-rex meets uh gary glitter band not gary glitter but gary glitter band you know kind of vibe you know <laughs> i like to say the producer the the big gary glitter's biggest hit was the producers you know he did all that instrumental music that's the you know basic you know football champ but that whole beat it's got that glam kind of thing which is killer and uh it's fun to play and we recorded that in memphis and so you know i mean there's stuff we were taking from those memphis sessions but that was such a kind of a fruitful you know i think it was 16 17 songs and it was so like ins- inspiring to be there and like we knew we couldn't do the whole we were gonna maybe do a double album but it just ended up working out where it got cut down and um yeah really there's a few there's a few songs from there from that um another one called wilder days which is a ends the album is real quiet and dark and but um there's some really neat stuff we have a friend of ours schaefer she's an engineer at pat um at Matt Patton studio and she's an amazing singer and she sang on the jerry joseph record we did and she's she does this like just harmonies and swooping stuff on a couple of songs on this album and it's really it's like a different um you know a whole different sort of sound to mix into the overall sound so it's been cool now if anybody can write a gary glitter song it'd be patterson hood yeah right it's uh you know it's, it's <laughs> maybe you should put that in his ear <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> as long as gary glitter is not involved i'm all about it man <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no it's it's you know it's like i hesitate to even bring that up because it's like it's it's but it's like it's such a great i mean just that british top 40 early 70s you know, bringing back the fifties kind of thing is just, you know, Slade and we all love Mata Hoople and, you know, and I love, you know, um, uh, the suite and stuff like that. And I just didn't expect it to sort of work its way in, but it's funny being, especially cause it was like a ballad. It was like his demo was very low key. And then, and then when we went there, you know, it just picked up and it's like, what a better place to sort of, you know, take back that sort of British take on the fifties than the actual place where it all was sort of, you know, down the street from sun studios or whatever on Madison, you know? So it's like, it, I don't know. It was just nice. It just uh, kind of worked out, you know? So the Jay, if I could rewind things back a little bit yeah. for, for those listeners who uh, may not be as familiar, how did you come to, to be in the drive by truckers? Um, I, you know, I, I had been friendly with, most of the guys in the band who were who lived in town, you know, Patterson, I met at the hi-hat club and I used to go see the, my wife, Katie and I, and our friends used to go see the truckers play uh, 96, 97, 98 at the hi-hat club and stuff when it was, you know, Neff and Matt Lane, my buddy Matt who plays with him and uh, played with on the first two records and plays with me now in the guilty pleasures. And the, the possibilities were, were this great Athens band that, my buddy Chris and I joined later, but like they were, you know, they played with Patterson before the truckers in the band called the lot lizards. And then Matt stayed on it with drums. And so like, there was, you know, long story short, it's an incestuous band scene that we were all part of, you know? And so um, when they did that record with Spooner, Oldham playing on it, um, brighter than creation's dark. And he couldn't really tour with them. That was when they started thinking about getting a keyboard player. So that's how, so Patterson asked me 
and uh a few months later you know it was, i was out on tour with them and then that and then have been since so <laughs> yeah it was real cool it was like very like out of left field and you know i was 35 so it was kind of you know by that point not certainly not giving up on making music but certainly gave up on trying to make a living at all doing it you know um i really hadn't before then so it was it was uh it was it was sort of stay-at-home dad with a two-year-old kid and then took off with them and so it's it's uh yeah it's been fun you know it's but i've known yeah and brad you know was part of that same circle so i knew him back in the day and then and then when jason moved to town he used to come to parties at our house with patterson and he and i hit it off you know and i had always you know really dug his songs and you know definitely certainly the pop element of his stuff probably grabbed me you know in a different sort of way that, that than the truckers more rock and stuff you know uh and then and then i sort of you know really always loved like feb 14 and different you know the sort of these sort of like they're you know more poppy kind of hits you know uh not top 40 hits but you know what i mean like songs that they would release as the singles and from the albums and um yeah so that yeah that that's a long way to well, say. I encourage people to put, <laughs> I encourage people to put American band on, get a good mm-hmm. set of headphones and put it on Ever South on repeat and listen to your contributions to that. Oh, killer. I yeah. have, I have, I have discussed that with uh, our mutual friend, Dean Gaffney yeah. and, uh, and some other people, how you're playing just elevated a really good song to like an excellent song, the little touches that you put in there and it's mixed perfectly. The volume on it's perfect. Um, I think that's the best song Patterson's ever written. I know a lot of people go to the living Bubba. I right. think ever South is the song he's been trying to get his entire life. Yeah. I mean, it is, you know, it's sort of um, not encapsulates it, it get, you know, it's every, it's, it's, it's sort of takes it, it. It's, it was a big undertaking. I would imagine to sort of write a song about with that breath, you know, but, it, but I really think he, he nailed it lyrically and and then musically i feel like it you know with something that sort of long and winding lyrically it's it, it's in danger of sort of losing the momentum but i think we figured out how to kind of keep it floating with different you know the swooping synthesizers and stuff which is you know in itself is a very so you know has is a, a, a southern you know hip-hop kind of feel to that you know uh maybe more West coast, but like, it's like, there are all these elements that I feel like that went into it that, uh, make it a fun, you know, we haven't played that in forever. Um, but, uh, I really, yeah, I dig that song. It seems to me like I, when I was like 16 or 17, like a screaming guitar solo was like the, the end all be all, but as I've gotten older, the, the little flourishes, like kind of like the stuff that you, you contribute to the drive by truckers. Like that's the more exciting thing about music to me now i mean not that i don't like a good guitar solo but <laughs> those little colorations as, as like a, a music nerd are really the things you look for and i, I think that's that's the, the most exciting thing about music i don't know if you feel the same way i mean i do i do i definitely spend a lot of my time thinking mostly about that those elements <laughs> you know but but i am also like trying you know lately trying to strip strip it down and not you know find what the core is without you know the neil young thing of like whatever the least amount of instruments to get the point across doing, you know, and I've, and, you know, sort of getting on this Richard Thompson jag, realizing like, he really like, in a similar way to Paul Simon, like kind of 
post sixties, like into the seventies, like really made it his mission to sort of strip it down, you know, cause if you listen to those recordings, it's like, there's like, you know, some of it has like brass band or whatever on, I want to see the bright lights tonight. But a lot of it's just accordion and one guitar and an acoustic. And it's like, I think he was always so conscious of the rock and roll basics. But having said that, you know, it doesn't take much to have little flourishes. You know what I mean? It's like you have the band playing and then you can have, you know, a few interesting keyboard flourishes or or, or whatever. And it's, it, you know, I always find that interesting. And I think I, my ear always goes to that sort of like the decorations or counterpoint to kind of keep, you know, keep it kind of uh, moving behind the, you know, whatever is in the forefront vocally and lyrically, you know? So, yeah, no, I agree. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, every once in a while, like, a killer guitar solo will, <laughs> it's, I mean, I do, that's the other thing Richard Thompson, like obviously put at the forefront, which is awesome. And you don't really think about it because he's so, you know, such a great writer and so generally like, heartbreaking and sad that you don't think about it but his sort of upbeat numbers and just like and god damn i mean he you know break somebody's heart tonight is like that's like power pop you know it's like he has so many songs that are just like full-on just super catchy and i don't know i'm sorry i keep going back to him because i'm just i just finished i was heartbroken i finished (laughs) finished the like it's weird when you read a book and you end it it's like oh man but like you can kind of like skim back or something like the audiobook, it's like, I'm not going to go back and play it again. But it's, <laughs> it's like you're hanging out with this guy telling you stories and it's the most amazing thing. But uh, but anyway, yeah, it's it's uh, I'd I, I love kind of adding the sprinkles and on top, you know. <laughs> well, before we wrap it up, I want to tell everybody that these shows that we're talking about are going to start April the 6th. And it's four nights in a row at the 40 watt in Athens, Georgia. Yeah, uh, we would love to see. Uh, uh, I'm pretty sure it's probably both, all of them are sold out at this point. But if they're not, grab a ticket, come see us. There's a big overlap between Drive By Truckers fans and Black Crows fans. Obviously, they toured Absolutely. together with Robert yeah. Mendoff Band. Right. And um, I saw them open up for him at Mud Island about a year before that as well. Nice. Uh, and um, th- there's there's just a big crossover there. And if you haven't heard the Drive By Truckers, I would go back to the earlier stuff and work your way up. Uh, the earlier stuff is a little more kind of uh, bar room garage rock, and it it it's it just matures as they go along. And now you know, it's a whole other animal. But there is a, a auction for Nucci Space. We've had Dave Chamberlain on here before. We have raised money for Nucci Space. You can go to their website and participate in the auction. I believe there's going to be an auction like that Saturday afternoon as well. Is that right? I believe so. At, yes, at Nucci yeah. Space. It's, it's that Saturday. Yeah, I think. And, four- and you never know who will show up at some of these homecoming gigs. That's right. Athens, Athens has a, uh, a re- Mike Mills has played with you guys, hasn't he? Uh, I believe so at homecoming. He's definitely played with us. And, uh, you know, he's definitely in town. So, uh, or not necessarily at that point, but he lives in town. So, yeah, you know, you never know who's who's around. And uh, it, it's there's some good opening acts. And, you know, the Nucci Space Camp Amp Band, which is their Camp Amp is like the rock school they do in the summer and the, in the fall. And, the sort of band that is wins that year gets to open up on the Thursday. So it's, uh, that's pretty great. And then, you know, speaking of camper van Beethoven, Dave Lowry and, uh, the Georgia contingent of the cracker band are, uh, are going to be playing that Saturday night. So are you, I did not know that. Yeah. And then oh. also on, on that Thursday actually, uh, is, is Pilgrim, which is, uh, Paul McHugh who plays 
with the cracker band and used to work with the truckers uh is his band pilgrims opening so it's like it's very it's a very cool kind of lineup cracker is one of the most underrated bands of the last 25 or 30 years absolutely man those first two albums i was just completely in love with yeah they're Uh, great man and the guys that are playing with them now are you know old friends of mine and they're just uh, i just actually while they were doing their the cracker weekend they played three nights two three nights the rhythm section brian and carlton like also during the day recorded sessions with me and and I, a guy that I was recording with. So it was like, they recorded all day and then one played, you know, the whole show that night and then did the same thing the next day. And then it's like tough dudes. It's awesome. You know, really full on <laughs> rockers, you know? So not that it's like physically horror, but it's like, it's like, I wouldn't want to like record all day before playing in a show and they, they killed it, you know, on both, <laughs> in both regards. So yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be a fun week, man. Well, we really appreciate you coming on with us, Jay. It's, yeah. It's, it's been a real treat. It's and, my uh, pleasure, man. Thank you so much. We usually we usually wrap up our episodes with uh, our guests picking a playout song, if you as you might remember. So uh, we're yeah, gonna th- we're going to throw that over to you. Any any song in the world? Anything any song you want. in the world. Roll over, Vaughn Williams. It's the first song on Richard Thompson's "Henry the Human Fly." You got it. So we will be playing out with that again. Thank you for joining us, Jay, and be sure to check Jay out on tour. Thanks so much, David, and appreciate it, man. All right, everybody. We'll see you next time. Stay tall. Don't expect the words to